Welcome to the Street Photography Magazine podcast, priceless inspiration and advice for street photographers everywhere. Hello and welcome to episode number 23 of the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, and this is the place for inspiration and advice by street photographers for street photographers. People often ask, how can we earn money from our street photography? And that's not always easy, but today our guest, Vincent Camparato, is going to share a unique way that he created to create income from a street photography. But before we get started, I'd like to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Street Photography Magazine. I mean, you often feel that your street photographs look the same, or are you in a rut and feel that there's nothing to shoot where you live? Or maybe you're just new to street photography and want to learn what it's all about. Well, if that sounds like you, then I urge you to check out Street Photography Magazine. Street Photography Magazine is a source of inspiration. It's where you can learn more from other street photographers who are out there doing it every day. And it's a place to potentially publish your own work to be recognized by others. Every month, we publish a new issue. That's 12 a year, plus a few bonus issues throughout the year. And each issue includes an interview with our feature photographer of the month where they discuss how they shoot, how they think, how they see, and we take a deep dive into some of their work so they can explain about what they did and how they did it. It also includes photo projects and photo stories from photographers around the world to inspire you to do more with your work. And as I said, it's a place to publish your work and be recognized. For example, the Street Shooters of the Month section features images from members of our community. And many of those people are chosen to go on and be a featured photographer of the month. And all this for less than the cost of one cup of coffee per month. So visit us at streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe and sign up today. For most of us, we choose street photography as a creative outlet while we follow another pursuit to earn our living. The two endeavors are often kept separate. But our guest today is doing both. He is combining his passion for street photography with a unique way of self-publishing a series of small books of his own work. This gives him full control over the production process and the end product, plus generating revenue. Vincent Camparato is a native of New York, now living in Denver, and after speaking with him, I don't see how he could do it any other way. Vincent is a filmmaker, an artist, a former graphic designer, and most recently a photographer. And his true passion in photography is street photography. But beyond his artistic pursuits, it appears that Vincent does everything in a very creative fashion, including travel. And as you will see in our conversation with Vincent, he is extremely enthusiastic about everything he does. We should all be so lucky. So please sit back, grab your favorite beverage, and listen to Ashley and I have a very enlightening conversation with Vincent Camparato. And with us today is Vincent Camparato. Vincent is, well, just big picture, he's an artist. As an artist, he does lots of things. We'll get into that in a second. But uh, Vincent is uh, originally from New York. He's living in Denver. And uh, also with us today is Ashley Hunsberger, our editor. I'm here. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Yeah, Vincent, he's uh, he's quite a Renaissance man. He's an artist. He's a video producer. He does, obviously, he's a photographer. He wouldn't be here if he wasn't that. Um, he does sketches. And I think 
pretty much anything creative this guy does, from from what I can tell. You know, it's really great to have somebody so so well rounded with us. And his latest work is a book. It's called Follow Focus, Volume One, which I'm sure that means we're going to have more volumes down the road. Welcome, Vincent. How you doing today? Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for uh, reaching out to me. It's funny. I- I've never put out a book before, so this is my first attempt at sort of publishing my work that way. So it's kind of exciting to to have it in my hands and to be able to share it with people. Yeah, well, you could have fooled me. It's uh, well, we'll get into the book in a minute. I want like Vincent to talk about himself a little bit first. But so, Vincent, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm originally from I'm originally from New York. I uh, I studied art at the Rochester Institute of Technology in Rochester, New York. And um, I've been doing photography for a very long time, but it was sort of a gradual evolution into being a professional photographer. I think I was probably shooting and traveling for fun prior to being a professional photographer. And the professional photography, sort of studio photography thing came more gradually than just doing the street photography. So the street photography sort of preceded the professional. And I totally keep them fairly separate. I don't, I sometimes forget they're even the same thing, but, um, (laughs) yeah. And the videography and the animation and the filmmaking sort of evolved out of studying graphic design and working graphic design jobs. And I was kind of, I was growing sort of bored pretty, pretty quickly of graphic design. I was like, this is fun, but I want it to move. I want it to be something else. I didn't like the sort of existing, like what it was at the time in the 90s, which was, you know, brochures and things like that. I wanted it to live elsewhere. So I sort of decided I was going to become an animator. And I had some friends who studied filmmaking and photography. So their influence was huge. That's what uh, sort of influenced me to think, oh, that, that sort of gave me permission to become a filmmaker and a photographer. I saw I worked with them and I saw them work and I was like, I could probably do this. Sounds like it was a really organic evolution yeah, <laughs> into what you I are now. Yeah, I was just picking up different skills as they approached me or as people were like, you know, pick up that camera and see if you can shoot this and pick up that. Or And traveling definitely had a bigger influence on the street side of my life where I would be somewhere and I'd say, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want more than just a memory of this. I actually want to take pictures of this. It sounds like you've had an artistic eye almost your whole life. When did you first get into photography or street photography just, you know, for fun? It's funny. As a skateboarder, I think skateboarders are in the streets a lot and they're they're filming each other skateboard as young people. So they, they adapt to the sort of setting of being in the street and like the chaos of the street and adapting mm-hmm. to the street. So I think maybe being a skateboarder had also kind of an entry into the into the sort of space that is street photography. You also travel a lot as a skateboarder because you're trying to find new cities to sort of adapt to. So I think that probably had a really big influence too. Yeah. Yeah, but that's uh, a really good point. We're yeah. gonna have to go to skate parks, Bob, and see if we have any good candidates there for future interviews. Uh, there's so many. <laughs> many of my friends are like seasoned. Because I'm older, I'm I'm in my 40s, so a lot of my friends are also people who, through skateboarding in some random way, have evolved into animators and filmmakers and photographers, and we're all kind of keeping true to both being skateboarders still and shooting in, in in various you know degrees. Some people are shooting commercials, some people are shooting skateboarding, some people are just became very you know well-known professional studio photographers. It's just kind of interesting. Yeah, a lot of it comes from that, I think. It's really funny you say that because I worked with a guy many years ago and he was 
a really good skater. And now I think he's somewhere up north and he's a photographer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's common. Yeah. You, you, you know, I, I don't think any of us ever aspired to be professional skateboarders. So we took the creativity, <laughs> we took the creativity from it and we just, it's sort of, it introduced you to th the technology of cameras and introduced you to sort of a lot of interesting sort of DIY, like how to shoot and how to adapt to settings quickly, which I think is a huge part of both street photography and professional photography. Yeah, like and just having an eye for urban settings as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. I can see the connection. I never I never thought of that before, but I can really yeah. see the connection now that you mentioned really. it. <laughs> Remember we did a series or we uh, published a series of photos by a Russian skateboarder? That sounds I right. So. That sounds I love Russian architecture and I love <laughs> Yeah, that sounds, I'd probably, I'll have to dig through your archive and find that. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll have to find that because it was, it was pretty interesting. He, he ran with a pretty rough crowd over there. Yeah, yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's the other thing. I mean, that's what I love about the, the settings I sort of thrive in are the, the rougher cities or the, the, the not so perfectly, I don't know, maintained places. Like I like the chaos of traveling. I don't necessarily like, I don't, I always make jokes that when I travel, I'm like, all right, today I want to sketch and tomorrow I want to shoot a bunch. And then I want to visit this museum and get inspired. And like, it's a lot of, it's like, I don't relax when I travel because I'm <laughs> shooting and, and doing things a lot, but I still love it. I've got a lot of quick skateboarding questions, but I'll save those. But hey, let me ask one though. I mean, you see a lot of skateboarders doing flips and okay. how do you learn how to do that without killing yourself? <laughs> or, is it, is or losing all your selection? teeth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I think it is mostly error. Like you mostly fail. Like you're mostly like when you see people make stuff, that's from years of failing at it. So that's why you, you keep doing it. it the, the percentage of success you have is very small. <laughs> so, so it's an illusion that we're actually consistently successful which is, it's just like photography. <laughs> like, I was say. Yeah, yeah. You, you throw, well, I mean, I, I wish my contact sheets were all great photos, but you know, there's like to get to that level where you're like getting better. I mean, street photography is, is I love it cause it's the hardest, like studio photography for me, setting up lights, balancing the light, balancing the setting. That's, you know, skateboarding is very similar to that. Like you get better at it because you fail at it for so many, many years. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I can just see so many connections now that I never saw between skateboarding and street That's photography. Great. <laughs> you know, like you say, when you do street photography, you get so many bad shots before you get a good one. Yeah. You have to not be afraid of being around people, people who yeah. are in the street, people you're, you're you don't evasive, know. Right? Like you're, <laughs> evading, you're sort of evading the space a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And so yeah. same with skateboarding. A lot of people don't want you skateboarding down the middle of the street, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't get many broken bones doing street photography, unless you're not careful. In my neighborhood, <laughs> you might. Yeah. Oh, you might. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, let's talk about your book, Follow Focus. It's um, a small book. It's The, the cover's beautiful. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's my art. Yeah, that's, that's sort of my style of, of yeah. drawing. Yep, I noticed that looking through your work. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, Vincent shot these photos really over a period of about three years. I want his life. So he shot them <laughs> in Shoreditch in London, Paris, New York, Berlin, Rome, Capri, Nice, Amsterdam, Barcelona, Croatia, and then, of course, Denver. Yep. So you've been everywhere. Boy. 
I, I, I try I try to travel at least once a year just to shoot street and I you know to just learn and be exposed to new places and things. Tell us about the book. Why why follow focus? Why is it volume one? What's your what's your plans for it? Well, it's funny because like as a photographer, you get hired to shoot things, but then you do all this other type of photography in your free time, and you don't. A lot of people just put it on Instagram or share it, but it's hard to say like what to do with this. Like. Should this be exhibited? Should this be made into a book? Like, I kind of wanted to celebrate it in a way where people would discover it in a less sort of fleeting manner. So I figured if I made a bunch of books and I put them out there, people could find them more in bookstores. I sent a lot of them around. And uh, it was all new to me. Like, I have no experience in publishing or making books. I came from graphic design, but that was kind of a while ago that I was doing graphic design. So I wanted to... I wanted to hold the photos in my hands in a way that sort of celebrated them. And I was like, well, maybe I should start making books. I have thousands of photos. So I had to start from sort of an area of my history of street photography that seemed like, okay, you were getting okay at it, you know, maybe about five years ago. I've been doing it a while, but wasn't really happy with a lot of the earlier stuff. So, so I started at that point. I still have tons of, I, I have tons of stuff I haven't even planned to organize into issues yet, but all the issues will sort of be thematic or different. And uh, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to like, I don't know, just to save up some money and to make some books and to get it out there and maybe, you know, meet some other photographers. And I figure it'll be a different way than the social media route to sort of celebrate the work. So that's, that's why I did it like that. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like how you said it's less fleeting. Yeah. Because it's yeah. true. What's on social media? I mean, you can really find a lot of great photographers there, but yeah, it still it. feels fleeting. <laughs> like this could be gone any day for any reason. Yeah. I mean, when you look at a beautiful photo on your phone, it, it's still nice, but it's a different experience than like mm. at either seeing it exhibited or seeing it in a book, I think. Yeah, for sure. I guess it's kind of old school to make a book now, but I don't know. I, I don't know. It might be trending. There might be lots of photographers making <laughs> short run books. I'm not sure. No, I I don't think so. I think it's I think it's making a comeback. I mean, you know, there's no substitute for looking at a photo book and being able to flip through the pages I love and stop them, yeah. and pause. I, I love photo books myself. I collect photography books and um once once I showed it to a lot of my friends who were photographers it was funny because they were like, wow, what a great idea. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it would be that, you know, like <laughs> crazy an idea to make a photo book. But in today's day and age, when you're getting hired to shoot things, and then you just, you know, you give them the images and you post, you say, yeah, I was at the shoot and here's a post of it on Instagram. That's the extent of it a lot for a lot of people, for a lot of us. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're at a point in tech with technology where we're finding balance. Technology is awesome. And we have all these, everything's in the cloud. And, but like Bob said, there's no substitute for what's physically in your hands. Mm -hmm. So I think we're at a point where people are starting to find that balance. Yeah, I think publishing has become cheaper with digital publishing. So I think you could, I, I didn't spend a lot making that book. It, you know, I made 200 copies and I think it cost me around $1,000. That's not bad. No, it's not. Yeah, and plus you have full control over, over what it looks like. You don't know yeah. what. Yeah, because you don't know what your photo is going to look like on somebody's computer. They can look yeah. great. They could be all dark. Or they could be too bright. Yeah. But this way, it's, this is exactly the way you want it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to sort of assemble them in sort of like a narrative, 
where you have like you know 50 pages that's a totally different experience too when you flip when you put them next to each other like that was a really fun learning experience for me was like juxtaposing photos and saying like mm -hmm. oh this one goes with this one or this one doesn't go with this one but they look great standing sitting next to each other on a spread that was kind of cool yeah so what's the um sub or the theme of your first issue or volume i know it says travels throughout europe and america is it like a travel volume or yeah that was like the introduction to my street photography so that one's i'd say more open-ended as far as like it's just an introduction to sort of that side of me but then the the next issues will be like punk rock shows and it'll just be photos from like punk rock shows or like um nudes Daters. Like, yeah yeah so it'll, <laughs> it'll get it'll get even more i think maybe thematic yeah awesome so what process did you use to make this i mean did you print everything out and lay them out on the floor no i i, I used um indesign mm -hmm. and i just sort of laid it out and sort of deliberated over which ones made the cut I, I, you know, I had a lot of folders of like, maybe, maybe these will work, maybe these will work. And I just sort of dug deep into them and I color corrected some of them. Some of them were funny. I, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I, I used to shoot with a yellow filter over my camera a lot and it really screwed with the colors, but I liked it. But then mm -hmm. as I printed it, I was like, people might think I just didn't color balance this right. But, um, yeah, I, I just loved shooting with a yellow filter for a few years. I don't so much anymore, but. So yeah, it was fun just kind of going through all the photos and and digging into like you know old hard drives of and scanning some because some were film and so there was a it was kind of a it took a little bit but it wasn't too bad actually. Probably had to make some hard choices, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm not an editor either, so I'm not used to editing my work. I would have to ask my partner Sky. I was like, "Is this good?" You know, and different people had some different people. I, I liked the fact that when people saw the book. They'd say, oh, this is my favorite one. And I was like, oh, that's, I almost didn't choose that one. But I, I <laughs> you know, you get that a lot, which is kind of cool. I've been, I've been a jerk to my area of my fridge that has all my film in it. I, I need to get back into that. <laughs> there are, I don't know how many photos are filmed in that. You can kind of tell. They're definitely like raw. I shot with a, uh, I, I still shoot with my Argus every now and then. It's a very old, like black brick Argus. It's very cool. I think it's from the 30s, and uh, I love that camera. You can half-step it and run your images into each other. You can double expose. Like it's a, it's a fun little camera. Yeah, and um, yeah, there's definitely it was a period where I was shooting more film, but I'm shooting a lot. A lot of my street stuff is with a really small Lumix GX7, mm -hmm. but I uh, I outfit it with some older Nikon lenses and things like that, so it looks a little bit more like film. I think. And uh, yeah, so I definitely, I like, I, I'd say if my aesthetic, there is a little bit of nostalgia in it. Like it, it looks like older street photography. Like you don't see a lot of people on cell phones in my pictures and stuff like that. But that's just like a conscious decision I'm making. Yeah, that's pretty hard to do nowadays too. Yeah. Excluding yeah. people on cell phones. And that kind of leads me to your video, Available Light. Mm -hmm. Um I felt that way about the video, that it was very nostalgic. Like, yeah. I was wondering what it meant to you or what you would say it's about. I feel like it's very open to interpretation. Yeah. Um, I really liked the idea of making a film about traveling that was more abstract and less like, you know, like it's not like an Anthony Bourdain episode. It's like very <laughs> weird and 
And I liked the idea of, I started recording field sounds too when I traveled a little bit. So I would record, because I was like, that's a big part of this area too, like the sounds of the places. And so I started archiving some sounds and sound effects. And that was my first attempt at sort of making a sequence of images that isn't necessarily video, even though those cameras can shoot video just fine, but I, I wanted it to be sequential but I also wanted it to be very open-ended, like you said, and, and just kind of put you in the mood of traveling rather than like, this is what it's like to visit Paris or like, it's very yeah. kind of strange. And it also shows me in the way I travel, there's parts about sketching, there's things about my partner Sky and how we travel together. And it, it's, it just kind of feels like the chaos of sort of discovering new things and the way scenes sort of jump up at you in that is sort of like what it's like when you're like, you don't expect to see the things you see. So I, I kind of was hoping to get the feeling of it. That was also another thing where I was like, what should I do with my street photography? I'll make a film about it. And Sky was really sad because she was like, you haven't shown anyone this film. <laughs> like, I <actually laughs> didn't do a whole lot with it and I didn't share it successfully, but I still plan to do stuff with it. Yeah, I think you're right. It's very much like a feeling. <laughs> it's more yeah. than more than a film. It's a feeling. It gives you a feeling. And you're right that just the experience of traveling. I liked the quote you put in the beginning. Um, yeah, that, that was that was that was a good find for sure. Sky yeah. actually found that when we were. I was like, let's find a good you know intro. I found one that was okay, but she found that one, and it was it was really cool. Yeah, it's funny because we. Actually, um, we did, I guess we did a blog post about it a little while ago, how street photography can almost be connected to, to the mindfulness that people talk about so much now. Uh, I know. Because you're just more aware. You're just... Uh, it's fascinating, right? How it's a combination of mindfulness and selfishness that you're sort of invading <laughs> a person's space. But like, yes. what you do with it, you can't really, you don't have a moment to explain your intention. So it, it's interesting. I, I, I deal with that a lot, sort of the psychology of it. I like that you think of it in mindfulness. That's nice. Yeah, it's just a, I don't know. I feel like it's, we're less aware now because of technology and we're always on our phones and everything. Mm -hmm. So just to actually see what's around you and having a camera in your hand, I think helps you to, to do that. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, and I think it's so hard to filter out all the visual noise and really identify something that could make a strong image. And mm -hmm. I, I'm on a quest to figure that out. Yeah, for so, sure. So if, I like if that. there's anything you do that you can share with us, we'd be very appreciative. I like finding the areas of the city that, for whatever reason, yeah, they, they speak to me, and I'm like, I need to just settle right here and take a bunch of photos. I'm going to stop moving and I'm going to study the space and the way the light is sitting on it and the way the people are moving through it. And you know, that usually happens when I'm traveling around, I'll, I'll take a pause or sometimes I'll return to a space at a different time where I'm like, this would be really interesting at six in the morning or this, you know, and, and I, and I make those decisions and, um, yeah, I mean, or, or you just find out what's unique about the space. You say, oh, wow, they have these interesting alleys with this like debris at the end. And I've seen that consistently. You know, this is unique. Or the or elderly people hang out in this park and they're really cool looking. And like you just like you start to make notes and mental notes of sort of like you bookmark the space a little bit. 
I, I like doing that. I like kind of like figuring out the way people move through the space. And it's like, oh, this is like the really busy subway station where all the punk rock kids hang out. Like, I got to take note of that, you know? I, I, I like making, and sometimes you try to foot book, book note it and then you're in a really boring area, but you take your best photo and it's totally <laughs> random and chaos. But, but yeah, I don't know. Do you interact with people? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to. I mean, especially, you know, as a street photographer, people are going to say, do you just take my picture? And you have to say, yeah, but, you know, it's fun. I, I like shooting strangers. I know it sounds weird, but this is, I do this sort of semi-professionally. And uh, this is sort of the stuff I really enjoy doing. I'm sorry, I'll delete the picture if, if, you, if you'd want me to. You know, you have to have conversations like that occasionally. That's a great yeah. answer. Yeah. Thanks. We're going to steal that one. It's going to write it down. Yeah, I already yeah. did. You must be a very patient guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm an animator too, and that's definitely a patient sort of art form. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say it's mostly, it's more maybe curiosity than patience that gets me into these situations. But yeah. So you said you travel once a year ju just to, to shoot streets. Do you, is this literally your street photography vacation and that's all you do the whole time? No, yeah, no, it's actually, it's kind of, it must be kind of manic traveling with me because like, it's like, oh, I have to find places to skateboard. I love skateboarding in cities. I have to find things to sketch. I also love <laughs> visiting art and shopping. I, I mean, a lot of it looks like normal traveling, I would think. But, you know, there's always a camera around my neck. Does Sky does she enjoy photography? Or is it like, how many of pictures are you going to take of that thing? <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> she is the example of patience. She's way more Just to put it with me, is patient. And she has different interests than me, but I love exploring her interests, too. Like, she really loves tea. And we always wind up in a cute little tea shop. And, you, you know, that shows up in available light. And she loves singing. So we'll go to an opera We'll we'll um, we'll study music. We'll we'll see a subcultural aspect of the city. It's like oh, there's a show. There's a band playing. Let's go see it. So that stuff we share and explore together too. Yeah, and it was fun like collaborating with her on Available Light because she, you know, wrote a song for it and she sings a portion of that soundtrack and she wrote you know she did all the sound effects for her nice. sex and um, she reads from her journal while she's singing. She has like this double layered thing where she composites and it, it works perfectly with the sort of layering the collage aspect of of available light so yeah no that stuff's really fun and I, I couldn't do it without her I couldn't I couldn't travel I couldn't I don't know sometimes she gives me ideas of where to go and she's super good at navigating space she's a linguist so she speaks a few languages she can adapt like linguistically to spaces she's sort of like definitely like it's so cool to have someone like that who she gets you around. Like she adapted to Berlin so quickly and figured everything out and could get us from point A to point B quicker than I could have. I would have been lost. So things like that are nice. Sounds like together you guys are like the ultimate artist. <laughs> it's, a, it's pretty funny. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And I, I like learning about the things she's interested in too. So it, I mean, it would be kind of boring if it was just like, watch me skateboard, watch me take pictures. It's not really like that. It's a sort of, we're both sort of adapting to our interests simultaneously. You mentioned something, and I remember reading this in your, on your website, you mentioned subcultural port portraiture, if I could say. Yeah. That. Tell us yes. about that. Well, um, in Denver, 
one of the reasons why I sort of settled into Denver was because I was living in a a kind of rundown house that was inhabited by like any number of people, and they, we were all people interested in music. There were bands, and we used to have bands play there, and we'd have parties. And I got sort of involved in the music scene, and that also sort of led me to direct music videos and take pictures of bands. And that's also something on the sidelines I've been doing since, you know, the since around like 1996. So roughly 20 years I've been shooting the local music scene here in Denver. And it's just led to like, oh, we're having a party and we're having some bands play. And then you go and then you forget to shoot a picture of the band and you just shoot all the people at the party because that was more interesting <laughs> to you. And then you're like, wow. So that's a body of work that I have been sitting on and don't really do anything with it except share it with the people or within sort of the music scene. But it should probably be shared outside of the music scene to show people like what this looks like. And it's starting to already look to me like it's interesting to a, a lay person or a person outside of that. You're like, wow, this actually looks even more maybe dynamic or interesting to a person who's not a part of this. And sometimes you forget to do that. So, mm -hmm. so you're obviously in your own business. Yeah, I well, I work for an agency as well. I'm wow. I'm there right now, goofing off talking to you guys. <laughs> what, an ad agency or yeah, I work at an ad agency. I, I do. A, I have a very traditional. I mean, actually, it's not a traditional ad agency, but but we do like make commercials and Instagram posts, and it's actually really fun. That's just that's the that's the part where I make a living. <laughs> we do a lot. It's a small agency, so. I have an illustrator that I work with. She's animating a horse running right now that I'm about to put a coworker on. Who's, it's for a seed commercial, like for a sunflower seed commercial that is one of our clients. And he's going to be riding this, this horse and it's going to be like Monty Python style. Like, <laughs> and yeah, like you have no idea like what you're going to do day to day here. It's, it's pretty fun. It and sounds I very out. creative. Yeah, I go out and shoot. I, I photograph models for a hair care product or it could be any number of things. But it, as far as jobs go, I'm pretty fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been in Denver? Since 1996. Oh, okay. Were years. you shooting? Were you doing street photography before your move? No. Street phot photography was a, a slow learn for me. I wasn't very good at it for, I kept doing it even though I was bad at it for like, from like 1990, I studied it in college. I took a photography class, was pretty bad at it. And that was like 1993. And then through, I don't think I took many very great photos in the nineties, but then in like 2001, 2002, I started to travel a little bit more. And I started to take pictures, but it took a while, I think. And it also took a while for me to understand what I was doing. Like, I probably wasn't calling myself a photographer for a very long time. I always say you should wait until someone else calls you a photographer. <laughs> sort of, That's a good idea. Yeah, because it's like, it's, it's, wait, it's very, there's so many people who are like, I'm a photographer. And it's like, no, just wait until someone introduces you as a photographer. So I was kind of waiting for other people to call me a photographer. <laughs> oh, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. So how's Denver for street photography? It's really you know, I don't cool. picture it as like a super, it's not like New York City, but no, it seems like yeah. it would have its cool places to shoot. You know, there are some street photographers in Denver who, who do a better job with it than I do. I kind of wait. I do shoot here, you know, here and there. But when I travel, it becomes more of an obsession. Or when I go home to New York, because I love New York City and I love shooting there. So I, I kind of keep it as kind of like, 
I mean, I'm shooting professionally here and it sort of takes away a little bit from my fun of doing it on the weekends. Mm, so then yeah. I almost have to take that like sabbatical or that excursion to like to really get it going again. And that that sort of feel like I, it's I'm always a little rusty, actually. <laughs> like when I show up to a new city, I, I feel like I'm a little rusty and then I, I have to get my groove on <laughs> shooting. But uh, yeah, no, I, I don't do it as often in Denver. I should. but Do you just think that there's nothing interesting to shoot in Denver. You've already, you've seen it all already. That's probably partially what I think, but that's not a really good attitude to have. But that's totally probably part of the reason that I don't shoot as much in Denver. But and just going somewhere new, it's like the discovery of it, and you're like, I got a camera, and I'm in a new place, and there's different people and different languages, and yeah. that gets me excited. Yeah, it does get the juices flowing. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I almost need to be sometimes. I mean, New York's cool because it changes so much. It's like literally like I've been go I've lived there, you know, the first 25 years of my life. And every time I go there, I shoot and I shoot different things. And it's just so endless. And there's so much new stuff there. But there is yeah. there's so much in a very small area geographically. Yeah, it's condensed, right? Yeah. Plus you can walk. Yeah. <laughs> I like the density yeah. of it too. I think the fact that it's so compact, like everything is closer together that for photography reasons, that makes for interesting, you know, things. And there's such a variety of people there too. Yep. And communities. Mm -hmm. It's just too easy. Yeah. Too easy. <laughs> it's, it's always funny too, when you're in a city and you see other street photographers and you can tell immediately and you're like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. I always talk to them. Oh, yeah. I always talk to them. I always take their picture. Yep. This is a slight, like, gear talk. Oh, you adapted that old Nikon 50? Yeah, I love doing it. You know, it's like... <laughs> My grandfather has one of those. Yeah, I like when, when I see an older fellow with a film camera shooting street, that's like, that's a diamond. I love that, yeah. Wow. I'm going to have to get a film camera. Sneak around <laughs> Yeah, no, it's cool. I, I, I do shoot, I haven't shot with my RB in a while, but the, the big medium format, like tank of a camera, that's an RB67 Mimia. Yeah, like I love, that's really cool when you see someone street shooting with like a super big medium format camera and they're <laughs> plugging it around and you're like, yeah, that's the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, my son's got a, uh, is it Graflex? Mm, yeah. And... And he's he's got a Roloflex too, and he's mm -hmm. he's not using either one of them right now. I might borrow them from him. Yeah, I I love any of those old cameras. I I do I do have some nostalgia to shoot some film soon. I need to get back into that. I have some pictures from the available light, some of that period that I haven't developed yet. There's a couple of rolls. There's a couple of film aspects in available light too, but where I scanned in some film. But yeah, I gotta get some rolls. I gotta develop. How long did it take you to make that? Available light? Um, yeah. I think I was working on it for like a couple months and then I stopped and Sky was like, you got to finish that. And then I went back to it. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because it is a lot of images. There's thousands. There's of a lot of elements. It's tons of images and images at the same time and music got, and the audio. I got pretty good at sequencing, like just like building JPEG sequences and not really caring that, you know, because you're just using the entire bunch you know you're using like the whole you're not 
deleting any photos. You're just going through it all. And that's yeah. kind of liberating in a way. You're like, I can't edit this. I'm just making a sequence of these photos and I'll, I'll pause on the good ones, but I'm literally going through the whole body of work, hmm. which is kind I of I liked fun. it though. It was, I don't know, it was interesting. Just, it kind of told its own story that way. Yeah, you literally move through the space. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of funny because I was thinking if I videoed that, it wouldn't be nearly as interesting if I just no. had a video camera. It wouldn't have the same effect at all. It's way less. It's like maybe five frames per second at most, you know, for a duration of what I'm shooting. But yeah, it's kind of an interesting experiment. I've always liked. Um, I used to teach a class in nonlinear filmmaking. So I've always liked like the avant-garde filmmakers like Maya Duren and Stan Brakhage and all those people. And they would shoot a lot of 16 millimeter, but they would uh, they would just trigger it. You know, they would just kind of shoot five frames per second. And I always liked those films when I was, you know, studying that sort of stuff. And I was like, man, that I should do films like this with a digital camera. Or So that's sort of what inspired it, too. There were people, you know, in the 50s and 60s making films that were not quite like mine, but similar. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, do you think you'll make another one? Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on one right now. I, I actually, the last trip I went on was to um, Copenhagen in Berlin. And I, I kind of shot it and thought about, I, I filmed some sound effects and I filmed some neighborhoods and that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you've been recording sound. Yeah, it's fun. I, I've been thinking about doing that. I've got a little Zoom H2 recorder, which... Yeah, that's exactly which, what I got. Yeah, it works really well. And I just thought about carrying it around with me when I go to different cities and different places. Now I'm going to do it. Cool. I'm glad I've inspired you. You have. Yes, you have. More ways than one. Hey, before we go, I'd like to circle back on the book one more time. Sure. And Okay, so you had this printed. How, how did you print this? I mean, did you use... I found a, uh, a place called Publication Printers mm -hmm. in Denver that prints a lot of large format magazines and newspapers, but they have a little digital press kind of off to the side of their like giant presses. That's, uh, that's kind of a, just a cute little press and they, and they have all the binding services right there. So they can perfect bind a, a small book really quickly. And it was pretty, pretty cool learning process as far as like how to get the black and white photos to look better and, we did a couple drafts, so you had opportunities to like look at the paper, and I kind of wanted it to be in the space. I didn't want to just send it out to a digital press because I think I would have made more mistakes that way. But yeah, yeah. So you could actually go down there and look at it before they actually before they printed the thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I like how it's bound. Yeah, I thought that looked good. The red paper was kind of cool too. Mm -hmm. I liked. Yeah. So what's next? Well. The next issue of Follow Focus will be more of that subcultural photography. It'll be about um, specifically DIY spaces, spaces that are um, sort of not legitimate venues for music and parties and people, but they have like lots of uh, events there and uh, usually younger punk rock kind of kids. And they have parties for a variety of uh, just sort of music, like it could be it could be punk, it could be electronic, it could be um, art exhibits. And they usually, not a lot of people who live in cities know that those spaces are in their city, but they're very well usually there. And there are people, it's just under the radar doing the sort of creative expression that they want. And I find those spaces really fascinating. 
And I prefer to shoot in those spaces than, say, like getting hired to shoot a band at a legitimate venue. Mm -hmm. So uh, the next issue will be about sort of temporal spaces that young people live in that get, you know, destroyed or demolished or bought or sold or, you know, gentrification just erases them. So those spaces are so fleeting. And um, a lot of the spaces that I photographed for that body of work aren't there anymore. So that resonated with me. And I think I'm going to call the issue stasis. So it's kind of like how photography is like mm -hmm. attempting freeze things that are moving quickly, which seems it's kind of an obvious <laughs> thing to note about photography. But when you're shooting something that's like a band that only played once or a party that happened and no one, you know, might remember it. But so I think it'll be kind of it'll be maybe more personal even than the street photography book. But it'll still have a lot of the same elements of street photography. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. yeah. When's your target date? I have a show for month of photography in Denver. And I think it's at sometime in March, mid-March. So I have to I have to get going on it. <laughs> yeah, I would like to have it printed mid-January or towards the end of January. Well, that's soon. That's, nice. into my next question. Um, sorry, Ashley, you were going to say something. No, I was just saying that's soon. Oh, yeah, it is soon. Coming up fast. I want to print one or two issues a year, so we'll see. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, yeah, I was going to ask if you have any shows coming up. So what? So you have this one in March, you said? Yeah, I have uh, I have that. That's going to be my first time actually exhibiting this type of work. I've exhibited photos before, but not like this work. So that'll be cool. It's a really nice. It's a bar that has a gallery. It's like a half gallery, half bar called Pon Pon. Pon Pon. And it's in Denver. Pon, yeah, P-O-N-P-O-N. -O -N. And uh, that'll be for the month of photography, which is usually a pretty big, you know, series of exhibitions that cover huge gallery areas in Denver. And it, it's uh, curated by Mark Sink, who is a pretty well-known photographer. You should look his work up. And uh, yeah, it should be pretty fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But that's, I mean, that's the only exhibit of the photography I have coming up. I have some uh, of the art, fine art, the Cubist work, at a uh, restaurant called Cuba Cuba in Denver. But yeah, I've been kind of I go back and forth between with my free free time between like painting and photography. And lately, I've been way more into the photography stuff with the book and distributing it and that sort of thing. But yeah. So where can people go to find out more about you? Um, I have a, a website called abstractcity.org, and uh, Abstract City is sort of a good spot. I also have sort of the video site is prometheusproductions.tv, and uh, that when I was a freelancer, I called myself Prometheus Productions, and that was when I was doing freelance animation and video. Not so much a freelancer anymore. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Well, Vincible, thank you very much. Thanks for talking to me. It was really nice talking to you guys. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Street Photography Magazine. It is the number one source for inspiration, education, and publication for street photographers everywhere. It's made by street photographers for street photographers. Street Photography Magazine is published once a month, plus a few bonus issues throughout the year. Each issue includes an interview with our featured photographer to discuss how they work and take a deep dive into some of their photos. It also includes photo projects and photo stories from photographers around the world to inspire you. And it's a place for you to publish your work to be recognized. 
For example, the Street Shooters of the Month section of the magazine. It features photos from members of our community, and many of our featured photographers have been selected from that group. So stop trying to go it alone and join the community. All of this for less than the price of a cup of coffee per month. Stop over and subscribe now at streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe.